Experience the magic of the holidays at the Bull Run Festival of Lights, Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow. Ooh and ah through the winter wonderland where it's always snowing and see the tallest light display yet. Purchase tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Big decisions require research. So if your teenager is considering a decision as big as joining the military, they're doing their homework. You can too, by visiting todaysmilitary.com because their success tomorrow begins with your support today. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. All right, Bible's up. Let's say it together. Because I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing. I want you to go here. I want you to go to uh, Acts 17.6. We were here on Sunday. We're going to start here, and uh, then by the time we're done, we'll be in Castle Rock. As they we're starting on this street. We're going somewhere else, though. Acts 17.6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, those harvesters have come here, too. These who have turned the world upside down have come here to lay your hands on yourself. Say, I am not a statistic. I am not a perpetuator of generational curses. I am a curse breaker. I rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. I will make a difference. I am making a difference. My story is about to get real good from this day forward, in Jesus' name. If you believe what you declared over yourself, give him praise. I said, give him praise. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, aid to the man. You can be seated. We're in the last week of a five-week series called This Is My Story. We've been learning some life-giving lessons from the stories of others, and we've covered a lot of ground, starting with two Simons, then into Ananias and Sapphira, then the children of Israel, then eventually to the Acts of the Apostles. And on Sunday, we learned, and we were coming from the book of Acts. Somebody say Acts. We learned that Acts was a 32-year journey from uh, the first chapter of Acts to the end of Acts, starting with this remnant of people. A remnant means leftovers. Sometimes uh, God has the ability to make something great out of what's left over. There were 120 remnant of people left over from Jesus' movement that birthed into this great movement that spread throughout the known world with Christianity reaching its pinnacle when the Apostle Paul declares it at the end of the book of Acts in Rome. Now, in Rome, when you got to Rome where the Caesar sat 
That meant that the gospel got to the kingdom, which means if you made it to Rome, you essentially made it to Washington, D.C. in America, and you were speaking truth to the powers that be, and the gospel was able to spread. And the reason I had to repeat that fact is because after Jesus had seemingly made great progress in three and a half years, his large crowds of tens of thousands was reduced to just 120. And one might say his glory days were behind them, and their glory days were behind them, but they were just getting started and somebody here tonight somebody watching on one of those six digital campuses needs to hear that tonight because you don't understand that watch this uh, God does math differently than we do you don't understand. God said, when I want to do something great, he ran away the multitude and he took a remnant of folk and those 120 turned the world upside down. I'm here to tell you, for God to add, he first subtracts and for God to multiply, he first divides. Listen, what you trying to tell me? With whatever you got left, that's all you need in order for your story to get better. I dare you to snap your neighbor, high five, say, I got everything I need. Yeah, don't worry about who walked out on you. Don't worry about who gave up on you. Don't worry about who said that they're leaving you. Whatever you got left, that's more than enough to turn the world upside down. Matter of fact, you need to start thanking people that they treated you like trash. Start thanking people that they dropped you. Start thanking people that they left you. Why? Because my story's getting ready to... Yeah! God does math very differently. So when he wanted to do something great, he ran away the crowd of the tens of thousands. And he's got about 120 of them in an upper room. And that 120 turned the world upside down. God's glory is revealed in your story when your story doesn't look like it can improve. Okay. Uh, God's glory is revealed in your story when your story looks like the best days are behind you and you're now worrying and ruminating over what's going on. How's this going to get better? How's this going to change? Well, I'm going to tell you, God says that's the kind of situations he likes most. Uh, the scripture says that he's light in darkness, which tells us he's attracted to what looks dark. You're not hearing what I'm saying, which means if you got some stuff in your life now that looks dark, if you got some stuff in your life now that looks frustrated, rather than saying, God, where are you? You need to know he's naturally attracted to that, which means whatever looks like it's going to take you out. God says, I'm attracted to that. He says, I'm near the brokenhearted. So if you got a broken heart, he's attracted to that. If you got darkness in your life, don't you be worried about the darkness. He's attracted to that. If you had some betrayal recently, don't you trip about that. He's attracted to that. The story on the street about these that started as 120 and then multiplied into a movement in the book of Acts. The story on the street about the men of God and the people of God in the book of Acts was that they were turning the world upside down. That was their story, even though it didn't look that way. Now, now, but please understand, there is a very different narrative about you than you tell yourself about you. You are looking at everything that's wrong, but you got other people who would pray to have your problems. You are looking at all your drama. You're looking at all your issues, looking at all of this and that. And there's other people that are saying, so-and-so really got it going on. And you think to yourself, I ain't really got nothing going on. But what you don't understand is your nothing is attracting somebody else's. You know what, what you're complaining about, somebody's praying for. What you wish was different, somebody said, I wish I had that. What you're saying, I can't handle, somebody said, oh my God, if I could just get that. What I'm trying to tell you is, is there's a different story on the street about you than the story you tell yourself. The word on the street about them was that they were turning the world upside down. And there were three things I told you they had. They had the power of purpose, the fiercest of focus, and the tenacity to triumph. Get Sunday's message, can't teach it again. 
One of the things you know I didn't see in their story was a bunch of worry. But we often have a lot of worry in our story. Talk Wednesday. And what says many of us might say that we don't, but let's define it so we can defeat it. Because most people say, I don't have a worry problem. Most people say, I don't worry about anything except everything. So here's worry. Y'all ready for this? Here's worry. Worry is defined as a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual, watch this, or potential problems. You can be worried about what is, and you can also be worried about what could be. The trip about worry is that most of what you worry about never happens. Uh, the second definition of worry, it means to agonize, to overthink. Uh -huh, for all my over-analytical overthinkers, you are a worrier and did not even know it. You're worried about stuff that ain't going to happen, ain't even getting close to getting ready to look like it's about to start looking like it's trying to start looking like happening. Panic. Watch this. Watch the definition of worry. Losing sleep. And some of y'all wonder why these folks standing up turning around because that means they're saying, but this is the last day I'm going to be losing sleep over that. Some of the stuff you've been losing sleep about didn't even deserve your time. You wasted an hour sitting up worried about something that ain't even that big of a deal. Lose sleep to get worked up. Y'all got very quiet right there. So, so, so somebody in our mobile app uh, just shouted right there, and y'all got quiet in the auditorium right there. Watch this. To get worked up over. <sighs> oh, my God. What am I going to do? <sighs> Jesus. Watch this. And if you're old school... Help me, Lord Jesus. Some of y'all remember your mama name. That's what they call on the Lord. They, they knew the Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. Watch this. Get stressed. To stew. You know what a stew is. Some of you, you don't think you worry because you worry over time. So you don't call yourself a worrier because you don't worry at one moment. You've been worried about this for the last 15 years. You, you've been worried about losing this for the last decade. You've been worried about this. Watch what, this. Watch what, this. Watch this. It means to torment oneself. Watch what, this. Here's where it's going to get real good. Say how, Bishop? Strangle comes from a root word, which means, or uh, uh, worry, excuse me, comes from a root word, which means to strangle. Uh, okay. Here's what strangle means. To seize by the throat and tear. Okay. All right. So, so, so you missed it. So worry says, I'm going to strangle the heck out of you. It's first, first Wednesday. Worry says, I'm going to seize you by the throat so that you cannot breathe and then tear you into pieces. And here's the truth. Most of us, I ain't even talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. And me. Most of us strangle ourselves out. You don't even need an enemy because you have the inner me. 
You're always in anxiety. You're always uncertain. What about this? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen there? You're always agonizing. You're always overthinking. You're thinking about stuff ain't nobody thinking about. Do you think that that day when Bishop had walked past me and he had winked like that, that that was me trying to tell me the Lord is saying my eye finna go out? <laughs> if you come in correct, it might be. What's this? What's this? Lose sleep. I don't know why I wake up in the middle of the night. Maybe the Lord's trying to talk to me. Maybe or maybe you're worried. And you couldn't even have peaceful sleep because your sleep knew you were fronting. Fronting is an urban colloquialism, which means you're pretending that something is different than it really is. So you went to sleep, tell my Lord I give it to you, and your sleep was like, you know you lying. And your sleep said, wake up! No, you lying. Get worked up, get stressed, stew, torment oneself. It comes from a root word which means to strangle, to seize by the throat and tear. That's what it is to worry. Now, based on the definition of worry, how many of us would admit that we've had some worrying going on lately? Okay. If your neighbor didn't raise their hand, your neighbor's a liar, and that's another message. <laughs> and if they're offended, <laughs> that means they also have a bad attitude, and that's another message. No, I'm, ju I'm just messing. Just having fun. Dooch. There it is. Matthew 6.25. So somebody say, Bishop, how do I stop worrying? I'm going to help you. Because worry is a choice. Uh, you're not hearing it? It is a choice. Matthew 6.25. This is Jesus speaking. Now I know because it's in red. It'll be in green on the screen, but it's in red in your Bible. Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I say to you, say your name. Do not worry about your life. Now, he said, do, do not. Say, that's a commandment. So based on that, look at me Wednesday night. Based on that, most of us are in sin. Because we are worried about everything going on with our life. Worried about the money, worried about the kids, worried about the this, worried about the that. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do in 2014? Uh, uh, what am I going to do in, uh, 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 in, in 2024? What am I going to do in 2034? What am I going to do when I, when I got gray hair? What am I going to do to get rid of my gray hair? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? You're worried about all kinds of stuff. So that means we have deliberately disobeyed him. Do not, which means it's an act of my will. I choose not to worry. Ah, that's something there. Because that means worry is the default. So I have to choose to go against what's natural. Say it again. I have to choose what, uh, to go against what's natural. Watch this. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Uh, don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? So here's the first thing about worry is worry wastes time. Well, I says worry is a choice. So to not worry, I have to choose to do something else in response to a situation that maximizes my time, which means I have to choose to be like God and solve the problem, not worry about the problem. If you focus your time from worrying about it to solving it, then life would be very different for you. The, tr the trouble you and I have is that we often spend our time worrying about it rather than solving it. Let me prove it to you. All them folks you call after you get bad news, that's worry. Y'all ain't trying to solve it. Y'all just trying to gossip about it and discuss it. And what you really need to do is go, this is the problem. Now, what are we going to do? Versus, well, how do you feel? I feel like solving it. That's how I feel. 
and I feel good. And I knew that I would. I feel good. So good. Matter of fact, I feel nice. Like sugar and spice. And I said, no, I was going to do that because these boots don't slide good on the carpet, so I can't, can't do my James Brown. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Worry wastes time. Think about how much time today you, worsted, you wasted worry. You probably wasted four, five hours a day just worrying. You at lunch worried. You checking emails worried. Y'all not saying nothing. You driving down the street, can't even listen to the message because you worried. And then taking over, and saying, oh God, but I don't know how I'm going to take over though. <laughs> oh God, I just, <laughs> we're in Congress of do, but oh my God, what am I going to rule though? What if, what if I'm not ruling it by the time I'm 35? Or what if I'm not doing it by the time I'm 52? I just, oh God, I don't know. Oh Jesus, oh my five year plan's not working. Oh God, I'm just worried. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? We waste a lot of time worrying. So what do we have to do? We have to choose not to worry, and that starts by choosing to reallocate our time. My time cannot be spent worrying. My time has to be spent solving the problem. Here's the problem with worry. You don't actually know what you're worried about. You have misidentified the real problem. You are worried about fruit, not root, which is why you waste time. You need to figure out, well, I see that, but there's something else beneath that, below that. So I don't just want to deal with the fruit and be worried about that. I need to figure out what the root is so I can handle that. Worry, waste, time. So instead, we got to be like God and solve the problem. Somebody say, what's the problem? Well, that's what you need to ask yourself when you find yourself getting worried. When you find yourself losing sleep, overthinking, in anxiety, uncertain, in panic, getting worked up, getting stressed, stewing, tormenting, strangling yourself, and tearing yourself up, you need to say, what the problem is? Now, that's how we say it in Memphis. What? Come on, bigger church. What? The problem is. <laughs> now, for my Denver people, what's the problem, bud? Hey, bro, what's the problem? Because <laughs> you waste too much time. Some of you are 30, but according to worry, you're like 152. Uh, you're 62, but according to worry, you like Methuselah. You 900 some odd years old. Because you just worry. You just wor you waste your time worrying. So Jesus says, don't do it. Touch your neighbor and say, stop it. Stop it. It's your choice. Here's what most of us do. A, a, a crazy situation happens, and now we... And then here's what you say. I just, I just, I'm just emotional right now because you're a worrier. The issue isn't the weight. The issue is how you carry it. The issue isn't the problem. It's how you perceive it. The problem is never the problem. It's how I'm dealing with the problem. Got it? The other day I had a situation. And uh, I talked about it on Command Your Week. And... <laughs> And, uh, and, so, and, so, and so I had a little situation. Somebody said a little situation. I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about him. I wasn't even worried, quite frankly. I, you know, I helped him. You'll notice I've been very ambiguous about my actions. Verse 26, 
S somebody, <laughs> somebody like, what is Bishop talking about? Say, I cannot worry. I have to choose not to worry. So when you get a bill in the mail that you weren't expecting, here's your default. Oh, Jesus. And Lord, I tithe. And I pay my offering. I, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Jesus, why? Lord, why? That's worry. Instead, you get the bill in the mail. Because I'm a faithful giver, I choose to flourish. And so even if I legitimately owe that, debts get released up off of my life. I ain't worried about that. I ain't worried about that. I choose not to because I ain't going to waste time. Matter of fact, I'm going to go use my, my harvest privileges, courtesy of the Harvest Mobile app, to go get something to eat. Okay, get a, get a bad doctor's report. Doctor say... You gotta, you, listen, doctors are paid workers. So just because they said A doesn't mean that A is the end of the story. Sometimes they can look at them charts a little different. And one will be like, you good. The other will be like, oh, my God. And depending on where you go to the doctor, the solution for everything is going to be drink some more water. <laughs> so that's, that's so... My arms fall at all. Just if you have a few extra glasses of water, you it's okay. You get a bad doctor's report. Hmm. With his stripes, I am healed. So not worried about that because healing belongs to me. So not worried about it. Matter of fact, if somebody say what they say, it ain't good. Don't you ever own a negative report. That does not belong to you. Slap your neighbor high five. Say, don't you ever own a negative report. That does not belong to you. That is not yours. Healing is the children's bread. Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago, which means it belongs to me, and I'm just waiting on it to manifest. So look at verse, verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. He said, look, look at, uh, what was the little woodpecker? Look at Woody. They don't sow nor reap. Now, think about this. The Bible says that the entire earth is governed by the law of sowing and reaping, Genesis chapter 8. He says, the birds, they don't sow, nor do they reap, nor do they gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Think about it. The system he set up for them is that all they have to do is be what he sent them to be, and they're going to eat. All Woody needs to do is just go pick that wood. Y'all now not hear what I'm saying. All Baldy needs to do is just fly and be an eagle. Y'all not saying that. All they need to do is what it is that they are told to do, and then everything else falls into place. He says, are they uh, not of more value? Are you not of more value than they? He says, the system's set up. They just have to get in their position and play their role, and the system works. Well, you're going to have a problem if Woody ain't picking that wood. And Baldy ain't flying like an eagle. Well, watch verse 27. He says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So here's the trip about worry. I'm just so stressed. That ain't fixed nothing. Okay, and we got all these coping mechanisms for stress. Food, gossip, sex, 
Don't, don't get quiet when I start messing with your coping mechanisms. NyQuil, and you ain't got a cold. Benadryl, and you ain't got allergies. Y'all not saying nothing. If all these coping mechanisms for us to deal, for us to deal with worry, because worry now, not only is it wasting time, here's the next thing worry is doing. It's wasting energy. See, you're tired, but you haven't triumphed. You're worn out, but you didn't win because you spent your energy the wrong way. You spent your energy doing stuff that does not work. So you wasted time. Now you wasted energy. So now when it's time to solve the problem, what you want to do? Go to sleep. I wish I had some honest people in church. You spent the whole day worried. So now when it's time to solve the problem, you don't have energy. You spent all the business hours worried, so now you're trying to make calls to solve the problem, and everybody closed. You tripped over the bill when you got it in the morning, and you should have been the first one on the phone, because in the morning, they want to make deals. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying? Worry wastes time. What's the second thing worry wastes? Energy. So look at verse 28. Jesus says, you're not going to grow by worrying, so why do you do it? You're not going to get better by worrying, so why do you do it? Okay? If you just... Get in your place and play your role and do what you're told, and the system will provide for you. The system provides, okay? Uh, when you're a citizen of a kingdom, it's that kingdom's responsibility to provide. So since you and I are citizens of the kingdom, that means it's his responsibility to provide for us. I just got to make sure I stay in alignment as a citizen. You, you, you get this? Okay, okay, all right, watch this, watch this. Uh, look, at verse, look at verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Ne uh, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He says these flowers have much more intricacies in the array that God has designed them with than even King Solomon did. And King Solomon was the wisest man to ever grace the presence of do we ever grace this thing in Greek called G, that is the earth? And so the scripture says the flowers, they are more arrayed, or the lilies rather specifically, are more arrayed than even King Solomon. So look at this. He says, verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you, watch it, of little faith? You know why you're worried? Because you think you're God. You don't have faith in God. You have faith in you, your abilities, your way of getting things done. He says, you have little faith in God, but you do have faith in something else. Your issue. Your problem. Your circumstance. But tonight. In case you don't know what to say when I say that, you say, but tonight, which means that's over. So I'm going to say it one more time, but tonight. That, that means that's over in your life. But for, for Tuesday was the last day you spending in worry. Matter of fact, for some of you, 30 minutes ago was the last moment you're going to spend in worry because you're going to walk out of this place tonight. You're going to walk out of that Roku, out of that Apple TV campus tonight, and you're going to say, I choose not to worry anymore. It's a choice, and so I choose not to. Why? I don't have faith in me and my ability, but I do have faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the great I am, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and nor his seed begging for bread. I got faith. What was this? 
Watch this, watch this. He says, oh, you of little faith. He says, that's the real problem. You're worried because you're taking on issues that are above your pay grade. You are taking on issues you're not responsible for. Case in point. Let me give, can I give you one example? And we're about done. Most of us worry about people. More specifically, people changing. I'm just waiting on so-and-so to change. They might never change. I'm just praying for breakthrough. Pray for yourself. Let them go for themselves. They, may, they probably don't even want a breakthrough, and you sitting here praying for breakthrough. They may not even want to be a curse breaker, and you sitting here praying for it. You better learn how to handle you. That is the reason why when you are on an airplane, you know what they say? If there's a loss of pressure in the cabin, a mask is going to fall, and you need to put yours on first before you're trying to help somebody else because they might not even want help. So most of us worry about people, changing people. Is so-and-so going to do this? Is so-and-so going to They might not. So what you need to just do is say, well, I know what I'm doing. See, you got to be like Joshua. See, Joshua wasn't a worrier. Moses worried a lot. Joshua was different. T touch your neighbor and say, I'm more like the second. See, Joshua said, y'all can do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So he said, I'm not worried about trying to change you. So either you coming with me or you're not. Either way, I'm good. There's some friends you need to say, look, uh, either you coming with me or you're not. Either way, I'm fine. I just need to know. Because I ain't going to be sitting there worried about you, what you going to do, what you not going to do, how you going to act, how you not going to act, whether or not you're going to have an attitude today or today's going to be a good day, whether or not you're going to be on your... Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, say, what shall we eat? Look what he says. Therefore, what? Do not worry. Do not. It's verb. It's action. He says you have to resist worry. So scripture says, resist the devil, he'll flee. I have to resist it, because it's natural. Let me prove it to you. You ever been in a movie and got stressed out? Run, girl. Get, get up. Jesus Christ. It's a movie. Think about it. You paid to get worried. You stressed out on how the end of the movie's going. I just, oh, God, I just, Jesus. You sitting here watching how to get away with murder. Oh, God, go run. run. Oh, get you. Oh. <laughs> I, know, I know you don't watch that. Well, what's this? He says, do not worry. Say, I have to choose not to worry. Say, and watch this. He says, here's how you know you're worrying. You ask these kind of questions. What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? These three areas hit the majority of where worry comes from. Eating and drinking, to eat and drink, you need money. So he says, you're worried about money. Watch this. What am I going to wear? Watch this. Watch this. Not only is that money, watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, watch this. But what are people going to say about me? What am I going to wear? What do they see? What are they going to say about me? And you sitting here worried about folk that ain't paying for nothing. What it is they going to think about you. And think about it. Some of you, when you think, when you think about the stuff you worry about, I just don't want to hurt so-and-so's feelings. 
they have not ever considered. Yours. I'm not saying be rude. Or be, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is, so, so you really sat up and decided not to be faithful to God, not to put God first because you didn't want your ex's mama's cousin. Okay. Do not worry. What we shall eat, what we shall drink, what she, we shall wear. Watch verse 32. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, he's speaking to a Hebrew audience. So he's saying all of the non-believers think that way. He says, you say you have a God, but you act like you don't. You say you have a father, but you act like you don't. He says, these are things unbelievers should be worried about. And if you're not a believer, in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to become one. He says, for your heavenly father knows what? That you need all these things. So you think God doesn't know you need some money? And you think he doesn't know? Like, oh, for real? Oh. You have to pay the rent on the first? Oh. I didn't know. You have to pay the mortgage? Oh. Michael, how'd y'all let this one slip through the cracks? Gabriel, what's going on? This is crazy going on. This stuff's crazy going on. He says, God knows you have need of these things. He said, but let me tell you what your problem is, believers. Verse 33, your priorities are out of order. How do you know that? Seek first. What does first mean? Put in order. He says, the reason you're worried is because you know you're out of order. Because when you're in order, you'll say, God's got that. He says, but seek first. Put your life in order. Ooh, it got quiet there. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what things? All the stuff he just talked about, all the stuff you worry about will be what? added to you so that means the way i stop worrying and choose not to worry it means it's an act of my will but not only is it an act of my will it means i've got to start putting things in order so i'm not worried about it okay when stuff is in order you don't worry about certain things for example can, can i give you a real kind of kind of wacky uh, crazy analogy but you'll remember it all right all right so if your house is clean you don't have to worry about getting there before your house guests. Y'all got real quiet in the church. When your house is in order, you, you ain't trying to just, just, baby, just wait, just wait. I'll be there in a minute, I'll be there in a minute. When your house is in order, you'll just say, oh, the key's under this and this and that, and that's the alarm code and this and all that. Why? Because it's in order. So, I, listen, because it's in order, there's nothing I need to do to prepare. I'm not worried about you seeing it because it's already in order. But if it's not in order, we out here. Oh, I'll be there in a minute. You ain't coming through the front door. You're going to come through the side door so you can go in. Move stuff around. Why? Because you know it's out of order. He says, so here's the solution to your worrying. Get your priorities right. And then what did he tell you to put first? The kingdom. What's the kingdom? Heaven's attributes on earth. What's that mean? 
God's modus operandi, how God does things. What's that mean real practically? Because all that's real good Christian talk. What's that mean practically? Those, those things, you know what they are? Those five T's. Put them first in your tithe, church attendance. In your treasure, that's your tithes, offerings, first fruits, love offerings. In your talent, that's serving in the church. In your thirst, that's prayer, praise, and worship. And finally, in your testimony, inviting people to church. He says, if you want to not worry, put your stuff in proper priority. Because when stuff is in the right order, think about it. If you had a billion dollars in the bank. <laughs> See, I knew how to shift the atmosphere real fast. <laughs> See how fast that shifted? <laughs> I mean, that shifted real fast. Like, That's true. Order, that's true. Billion dollars. Hey, that's right. All right. Come on. Come through, Jesus. Watch this. <laughs> watch this. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, watch this, and, and you got one of them unexpected bills for $200, man, please. <laughs> Give me some real stuff to deal with. What is that? Watch this. Watch this. Because since your finances were in order, you weren't even worried about the bill. You only worried about the bill because you look at it and saying, to, hmm. hold up, let me see. Maybe I'm misread. Is that an O or a zero? You see the point? Okay, so, so, so check this out. We're about done. We're about done. He says, but seek first the what? And his what? Righteousness. So let's, let's, I just want to talk it to you because I want to make sure you get it. I don't want you to just walk out with a shout. I want you to walk out with a shout and some results. And his righteousness. So Romans 4 teaches us that God gives us righteousness as a free gift. Righteousness is right standing with God. Which means God says, I make you in right standing with me. Which means when you approach me, you don't have to approach me saying, I got all these issues. No, I made you in right standing. It is tantamount to you owe a bill, somebody pays the bill, which means now you can eat. You owe a bill, they shut the lights off. Somebody pays the bill, now your light's on. That's what Jesus did on Calvary. You owe the bill, I owe the bill. A debt, song says, we could not pay. A debt, he did not owe. But when he hung on that cross, he paid that debt. Why? So now we're in right standing. Which means when I pray, I'm not praying as a sinner saved by grace. Mm -mm. I'm praying as the righteousness of God. Which means I can boldly approach the throne of grace and obtain mercy in my time of need. Not because I've done everything right, but because 2,000 years ago, Jesus did one thing right. And when he did that one thing right, he put me in right standing. Which means you may have done everything they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Why? You are the righteousness of God. Slap your neighbor, high five, say this is what righteousness looks like. So, so I don't have to say, well, Lord, I did all of these things wrong. And, uh, and so I'm not even going to pray. Because think about it. When you're worried, a lot of times you don't want to pray because you're like, I've done all this stuff wrong. And then you remember to pray like after you've gone through a whole slew of other things. Okay, okay. Since y'all not being real, let's just be real. You, you didn't cuss everybody out. You didn't went from gospel music in the car to... <laughs> I'll suit you in the chest. I'll wet you. <laughs> you, know? you, you, you. 
You, 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 you done all that. You got mad at everybody ever did you wrong all over again in your bloodline. You mad all over again at all them people. You, you got all of that. Now you starting thinking about stuff when I was three. You know what? Just, you and all that. And then at the end, you're like, you know what? I ain't even prayed about this. Father, I don't even know what to say. Because I done acted a fool today about this situation. But thanks be to God. When I got up this morning, I got a fresh dose of goodness, and I got a fresh dose, and, and maybe you don't need it, but I need it. Is there anybody in here that says, I need some goodness, I need some grace, I need some mercy. I messed up yesterday, but that was then, and this is now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Touch your neighbor and say, I may have messed up yesterday, but this is a new day. And say, since it's a new day, I got some new mercy. I dare you to take 20 seconds to praise him right there for some mercy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mercy is when he doesn't let the negative I do deserve come at me. And grace is when he lets the good I don't deserve come at me. Somebody holler, thank you, Jesus. Watch this. Be seated. Let me finish. So here's the last thing worry does. Worry, waste, worship. You know... What worship means, worship comes from the word worth-ship. It means to give something worth. You have given Sprint more worth than the Savior. Because you're sitting here trying to figure out how you're going to get to 10. <laughs> and you're still on your payment plan for the seven. <laughs> I know I'm right about it. What, what, what's this? You, you, you give things worth. So notice what Jesus says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, seek first, priority. Give it attention. Make it important. Give it worship. Worship means I give it worth. So the reason I'm faithful to church attendance, because I give it worth. The reason I serve is because it, 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 I give it worth. The, the, reason I, the reason I invite folks to church is because I give it worth. The reason I pray or praise and worship is because I give it worth. I give it worth. But watch what he says. He says, the real issue, and notice he's talking to his people. He says, y'all's issue is, is that you are giving worth to all these things that shouldn't be getting worth. You are worshiping your money issues. You are worshiping your, fa uh, your family issues. You are worshiping your generational curses. You are, y'all not saying nothing. You are worshiping your crazy family folk. You spent the majority of the day talking about something you say you don't like. You just worshiped it. You talk about you don't like certain public figures and political figures and this and that, and you worship them because they consume your conversation. You talking about you don't like when people do this, people do that. Yet that's the majority of your conversation. Y'all not saying nothing. Worry wastes time. Worry wastes energy. Worry wastes worship. You give things too much worth that don't deserve worth. And God is like, I'm over here. You haven't worshipped me at all. God's like, I'm sitting over here and you're not giving me any worth. But that issue, God, you, 
I must be great. You haven't prayed to me. You haven't worshipped me. You ain't gave. You ain't, you ain't shouted. You ain't jumped. You'll talk trash and you'll do all that. You'll holler at the Bronco game, but won't touch and turn your neighbor. Turn and touch your neighbor. He said, you've worshipped everything that you should not be worshipping. Because worry is nothing more than worship. So, but Bishop, what am I supposed to do? I mean, okay, I got the example. So I get, a, I, get, I get something. I get something that's negative. Okay, I speak to it. I declare the word over it. But, okay, but then what happens when it pops back up in my head? Prince had a song that says, always in my head. Like four people would probably know that one. Right. Wasn't a popular one. But for a minute, I thought Prince was in the room because I said, how is he playing and singing? doing purple rain for altar call, by the way. Watch this. <laughs> Watch this. Say, what do I do, Bishop? Every time worry comes, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 tells us what to do. Are you getting this tonight? Good. I just want to talk it so we get it. Now we're going to fifth gear. We're going there real fast. You ready to go with me? Watch what the, the Apostle Paul tells them in Philippians. Be anxious, anxiety, worry for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, come through Turkey, let your requests be made, I'm joking, be made known to God. Uh, 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 I says, he says, he says, everything, somebody say everything. He says, you pray about it, but watch the second part, and supplication. Supplication is like a supplement to another Christian's prayers. So when I have an issue that I'm worried about, okay, first off, I make sure things are in priority. Got it? I speak to it. Speak God's word concerning the situation, okay? But then I need to find somebody else to pray for. You missed it. Here's what you do. You, you, you get wrapped up in your situation, tied up in your situation. You're so focused on that. You're so focused on that. And then you pray about it. And you're like, oh, God, I just need, I just need a break. I just need a And what you need to do is go find somebody. Hey, you going through something? Matter of fact, you ain't even got to tell me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for whatever Shinkashay dealing with, whatever Tyrell is dealing with, whatever Jake is dealing with. I pray for them and I put my faith in agreement with their faith, knowing that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. I know that God makes us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. See, watch the verse. He says, don't just pray about your stuff, but go find somebody else that's worried and pray about their stuff. Yep. The reason most of us never break out of worry is because we never do the second part, supplication. We never go pray for somebody else. But I dare you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to pray for you tonight. Say, whatever you're dealing with, you coming out of that tonight. That's the wrong neighbor. Try somebody else. Say, whatever you're dealing with, that's ending tonight. That's, yeah, because I'm going to pray and I'm going to supplement your prayers. I'm going to give supplication to your prayers. And watch what he says. He says, and when you pray for you and when you pray for somebody else, he says, put some thanksgiving on it. Say, put some thanksgiving on it. The song said, put a praise on it, but you need to put some thanksgiving on it. Which means, uh, Father, and we thank you that you trusted us with these issues, with this drama, with these situations. 
whatever it is, thank you that you trusted me. You knew I could take this licking and keep on picking. You knew I could take this hit and get right back up and keep on punching. You knew, come here, Job, you knew I'd be able to deal with all of that and still fall to my knees and worship. Worry wastes time, worry wastes energy, worry wastes worship. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to choke worry. Everybody stand with me tonight. If you're on a digital campus, if you're on a Roku site and there's nobody there with you, you stretch your hands towards the screen. If you're on an Apple TV site and there's somebody there with you, grab hands. Just have church in your living room. Have church in your office, wherever you're at tonight. And I just want you to grab the hands of the people next to you. You can even span the aisles. And we're going to deal with worry. Say no more worry. You need this message, and you need to listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over. And then once you finish doing that, and some more. Now just squeeze that hand. Say, you shall win. Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, Bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.